0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitt. Tonight, we are doing just a quick recap episode of both the Oklahoma State game and then kind of a little bit about the recruiting news that's come across in the last day or so. To help me do that, I have joining me my usual football co-host, Mike Plank, the editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how are you doing today?
1: Well, Andy, I am sad.
0: I, I agree. I am sad, too. The, the only thing <laughs> that keeps me from being completely 100% sad is the fact that I root for the Chiefs in football. So at least my entire football world isn't absolutely atrocious could be worse. You know, I could be like a Denver fan or a Jaguars fan or something like that.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So so obviously the main topic, um, you know, in these recap episodes is to talk about the previous game. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on what you think the biggest storyline to come out of the absolute drubbing that they got from Oklahoma State was. There's a few things that I'm thinking of that could potentially be it, but what's the biggest thing that jumps out to you from that game?
1: Um gosh, how terrible we are i <laughs> I mean that was just, I, I, it was just i it is just a complete no show i um I have no idea what we're doing on offense uh i don't I don't know if Kansas knows what they're trying to do on offense um the 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 lack of i don't know if it's the lack of skill or or what along both lines but particularly the offensive line. Um, which is exposed to our quarterback position as as just plain not being good enough, so I mean there's a couple things that you can hit on, and I think all of those are fair game, but uh, uh, i don't know I guess um, I guess if I, if I maybe take your question a little bit in a little bit different direction, the thing I was most surprised by was the the offensive game plan like I just said, I had no idea what they're trying to do. Uh, I think I read in one of the you know one of the recaps out there that um, they threw two passes more than ten yards down the field, um, and it became pretty obvious early as somebody, you know, one of the nine thousand people watching from the stands, that once Oklahoma State figured that out, they just stacked the box and played cover zero and and shut us down even more. So it it was, ugh, it was bad all the way around, dude. I don't know what else to say about it.
0: Well, I mean, I think part of the reason we have no idea what they were trying to do on offense is because they weren't able to do anything on offense. That defensive line for Oklahoma State is so dominant, and our offensive line is so bad that even if they had tried to do something, I don't know that they would have been able to because the, the, the rushers were getting to the quarterback like two, maybe, you know, two and a half seconds after the ball was snapped. So like, I, you know the reason they didn't pass down the field wasn't because they weren't planning on passing down the field. It's because every single time he dropped back to pass, he had a guy in his face immediately. And that's the problem that they have is not that, that they don't have a, a game plan or they don't have, you know, a position or guys that can, that can take advantage of, of, you know, like they have the skill position players. They have a quarterback who could theoretically at least get the ball to people, but I don't care who your quarterback is. I mean, you could have Spencer Rattler. And if he has a guy in his face two, two seconds after the snap, there's no way he's getting anything off. You know, I don't care what your game plan is. I don't care how you plan to attack a defense. If your quarterback doesn't even have time to set up to look to throw a pass, then he's not going to be completing anything. And, you know, that's the biggest problem that Kansas has. And it's a problem that they've had for a good 10 years now is that their offensive lines have been consistently atrocious um, with the exception of one or two guys. You know, Akeem Energy did so much last year that really allowed Carter Stanley to have time to do things. Um, and even then like it wasn't it wasn't consistently every single play giving him the opportunity he needed Um, they just they haven't had an opportunity to really see what this team can do because they haven't had a time that they can actually get plays off to see what the strengths of the quarterback and you know this team chemistry is and so I think that's the biggest issue if they could get any semblance of an offensive line play getting any kind of protection we might actually see something And, and we saw that as the game went on like when the backups came in and they weren't getting to the quarterback quite as quickly, Miles Kendrick was able to actually get some plays off, was able to actually do some things, and they finally started to move the ball a little bit here and there against the backups, and that's because, again, he didn't have a guy in his face immediately.
1: I mean, that that's fair, uh, but I mean, there, how many how many different ways are there to get the ball down the field? I mean, um, you know, roll out or play action. I don't know if the play action would have worked. I'm sure that that would have been gobbled up too, but – um, right. I mean, move the pocket. I mean, you've got allegedly anyway, mobile quarterbacks move the pocket around a bit. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I have no idea, but they, yeah. they, it just seemed like they kept banging their heads into the brick wall. And it, the, obviously I, that didn't work very well. Yeah. the The problem that they're having is that when
0: everyone's keying off on them immediately, like the idea of running is trying to to make it so that the defensive linemen have to plug up gaps. Um, and that wasn't super successful because the, ru- the running lanes were getting clogged up by guys that were pass rushing because the offensive line was letting people through like crazy. Not the only thing that they could have done that might've been successful would be to motion a guy out into the flat before the snap and then immediately throw it out to him. So basically do, you know, running back screens all day long until they start, started to shift something, but that's hardly a sustainable you know, strategy to really move the ball down the field, especially when, you know, they sh- they shuffle a few guys there and you don't really get any momentum going. It's like, it's one of those things, the only thing that, that would have been successful against the level of pressure that they had in the backfield is probably one of the worst things that you can do to try to sustain a long drive, unless you have a lot of guys that can make people miss out in space. And they just don't, I mean, they have, they have Puka that can do that. They have Garner that can do that some, but if you know the ball's going to that guy, it's really easy to take two or three of your, you know secondary players to really key in on him and keep him from doing it time after time the the screen game only consistently works if you can mix in other looks so that they don't know that you're going to it every single time and with the amount of time the quarterbacks had to throw that was the only thing that was going to be even have half a chance to get out of the backfield before it was swallowed up so
1: yeah it was it, it was just it was it was brutal to watch it it was it was rough
0: yeah, it was bad. I mean, and lucky for me, I was I was actually traveling to visit family, and I, I was on my way back home, and I had to listen to most of it. But, you know, the other thing that really jumped out to me was that, especially in that first half, it seemed like every third defensive play, there was a KU secondary player that was down injured. Um, you know, by my count, I, I went through and I tried to count all the guys that were active. So, like, I tried to eliminate guys that were listed as inactive starting from the beginning of the roster, they have 22 defensive backs that are on the roster by my count. I may be off by one or two, but it looked like they had 13 or 14 guys that were active available for the game. And by the end of the game, they only had five secondary players that were actually healthy and able to play. Um, So like, not only did they have to deal with, you know, dealing or playing against a, a offensive juggernaut like Oklahoma state has, which, The main, the really the only issue that that offensive or that that offensive um, scheme for Oklahoma State has is that their that their offensive line isn't really you know solidified yet. Um, But I mean, just when you have to throw that many guys and you have so many young guys that are having to fill in because of injuries, it's really really hard to prevent them from getting burned, especially if they haven't really had that opportunity to get game time. Um, you know, there was there was a couple guys that were just consistently getting burned over and over again, and they it, it kept happening even when the backups came in because we didn't have any more backups that are out there. We couldn't spell them at all. <laughs> we really couldn't do anything because we had so many guys that were injured. The buy, you know, you, you always hear the cliche that like the bye week came at the perfect time, and just seeing how beat up Kansas got in this game, like if they didn't, if they had, a, if they were having to go out and play a game this week, I probably would have thought they would have lost by sixty because they just it doesn't seem like they have any defensive players. Um, especially in that secondary, that are actually healthy right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's possible. And, I mean, you could be right. Uh, Miles, I think I saw the other day that he's quoted as saying that McVitie should be available, um, that they don't know about Daniels, but that they'll have McVitie and uh, and Kendrick available for West Virginia. So, I mean, let's hope that's the case because um, I, for one, would like to see a little bit more of McVitie. Just, um, you know, I feel like we didn't get to see much of him against Coastal before he got hurt. Um, and, uh, I mean, again, it may not, well, it wasn't all his fault that Kendrick did not look good against Oklahoma state, but nobody looks good against Oklahoma state. I mean, that's, that's a team that probably rightly should be favored to play in a big 12 championship game. And, um, I mean, they'll give, I think they'll give Oklahoma and Texas a run for their money. I know they haven't been super impressive early on against Tulsa and, um, whoever the first, the last team was they played, but, uh, um, yeah, you but can't I mean, really they, blame they're them. missing a quarterback. They've West, got injuries West. too. Still, Spencer Sanders is gone, and I think they're missing some guys on the offensive line, and and so they're not healthy either. But if they can get those guys back before they play OU in Texas, then you may be looking at the 2020 Big 12 champs right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that they have to be one of the favorites at this point. Honestly, I would be, I wouldn't be very surprised at all if neither Oklahoma or Texas made it to the Big 12 title game this year, just with the way that things have lined up already. Um, and just how bad that Oklahoma team honestly looks compared to what they usually are. Um, but you're right. Yeah. Like it's one of those things, Oklahoma state hasn't had a lot of things go right for them. They've had injuries on the offensive line, Spencer Sanders going down in basically the, the the very beginning of that second drive of the of the year for them. So, I mean, they've had a right. lot of problems that they've had to deal with and um, they've been able to come out of it on the other side without actually losing a game at this point. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things they've had guys really step up and fill the void and Kansas just hasn't been able to do that because they don't have a lot of experienced guys that have been able to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma state, I think has to be the favorite. They're probably the only shot that can't that the big 12 has left of getting a a team to the playoff. So they need really need to like run through a bunch of people um, and probably finish the season undefeated to give the big 12 a chance to get a team in the playoff, which is kind of crazy to think about at this point, but um, you know, I know it's absolutely insane. I would not have thought that at the beginning of the year, um, but you know, it's. I mean, it's kind of one of those things from a from a Candace perspective, just based off of everything that they've had to deal with, all the stuff that they are still, you know, dealing with injury wise. Like, it, it was good to see Jalen Daniels get out there early and see them to try to work, you know, on the future. Especially if you think that Jalen Daniels is going to be good enough next year to be the guy. Um, but I, I definitely would like to kind of see them solidify something and and get a guy back there who can hopefully recognize the pressure that's coming well enough to avoid getting injured immediately. um, You know, in, in, in the game, I'd like to go through an entire game without having to worry about if my quarterback is going to finish. So,
1: um,
0: Mm, yeah, I, I mean, at this point with all the things they have going against them, it, it's not so much about trying to get a bunch of guys experience and voting for the future. It's about just trying to get through the games and keep people from getting injured you know, the fact that everybody can come back next year if they really want to means that you don't really know who from this team you're going to have back next year. So get as many people as you can, a, a, wide, you know, um, a wide amount of experience in as many situations as possible, and then just hope that enough guys come back that are, that are good next year that you can actually put something decent out there next year. All right, Mike, any other thoughts about the game or are we ready to move on to the recruiting news that came out?
1: No, let's, let's get over the game. I, I gave up on <laughs> them at the, at the end of the third quarter and I'm ready to give up on the recap now too. <laughs> no, not, not a problem. I will still, obviously,
0: because I cover them here, I was going to watch anyway. But, I mean, I'll, I'll, still, I'll still watch probably not nearly – or I won't be as hopeful in any of the games the rest of this season at all. Um, but I'll definitely still yeah, watch them to, to kind to- of see if they can show anything I mean, I went from thinking that, you know, it wasn't too strange to think that maybe they could win two or three games this season to, I would be absolutely shocked if they win a single game, unless, you know, Texas tech is decimated by injuries at the end of the season and just trying to limp through the finish line. So um, yeah, yeah, it's one of those like no expectations at this point, which I guess in some ways is kind of a blessing. You can just go and and look for things to to be happy about, be pleasantly surprised if they actually remain competitive in a game. Um, But but, yeah, I, I think that's about all we have left. Hopefully we can now avoid many, many repeats of what has come out. It actually came out, I believe it was early this morning, this morning being Wednesday, um, that Keon Coleman, the four-star wide receiver, was the highest re- recruit ever to commit to a Kansas program, um, has gone ahead and decommitted. Um, the only thing that surprised me about this was the fact that he said he rushed into his initial decision. Um, but, uh, I mean, anything I, – I, I saw your, your tweet. You obviously didn't seem to be very surprised by this. It was more a matter of when, not if. Um, but anything in particular about this decommitment that really surprised you or any kind of bigger implications that you think this has for other commits?
1: Um, I don't know. I think it's a reflection on the first three games of the season, uh, you know, because let's be honest, Kansas has not been – competitive with Coastal Carolina or Baylor or now Oklahoma State. And um, I, I kind of thought to myself after the Baylor game, I was like, well, this is going to make it hard to hold on to a guy like Keon Coleman. Like, he's going to want to come in and not only play, but, you know, have a chance to win, I would assume anyway. I'm, I
0: don't know.
1: I've never been a top 100 recruit. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> but I would assume he would want to go to – a. And, he wants to play basketball, so maybe Bill Self can work some magic and get him back in, but obviously it doesn't look good for Kansas. Um, you know, I, and I, I don't want to, you know, he's, he's what, a 17-, 18-year-old kid? Like, it's, um, you know, he kids are going to do what they're going to do. It's, it's not our place to sit here and, and complain or tweet at him or anything like that. You know, he did what he did, and, and uh, you know, we, we'll respect that. Um, and You know, as for the class overall, uh, it's still a top 50 class. If you look at uh, two – Uh, 24-7 sports anyway. It's still a top 50 class. Um, I think our class last year was a number 56. So we're still on pace for a better class than we had last year. Um, It's it's all high school school, uh, seniors again. Um, We still have a four-star running back. uh, The the local kid, the Lawrence kid, Devin Neal. um, Which I think it's a lot less likely that he decommits just because he's a local kid. Um, I, I mean, I guess State or, or Nebraska or somebody like that might poach him, but um, but I mean, he's a hometown, like, he's from Lawrence, so um, you know, and, and getting that verbal from him, I think probably means more, but I, again, right. he's a 17, 18 year old kid who really knows, um, uh, but yeah, the, the class overall is still solid. Um, it, the the problem is, is if they're gonna be losing Big 12 games 47 to 7, um which, you know, is is likely based on what we've seen. Uh, they haven't played Texas yet. They haven't played Oklahoma. They haven't played um, TCU. TCU just beat Texas. Um, you know, the Iowa State just beat Oklahoma. They haven't played any of those teams yet. Um, they, they've got to show more on offense to keep these guys interested and to keep them committed, I think, uh, because some of their better players are – well, I guess their best player right now is a running back in Devin Neal. But then their next three guys, the next three best players are defensive players. But still, you gotta you gotta show something. You gotta keep these recruits interested, um, and, and show them that you're that you're building that you're building something. Uh, because right now it just looks like same old Kansas. Uh, you know, yep. going out and getting and getting smashed in Big 12 play, and and they've got to do something to to change that. It's not. I mean the. It, the recruiting period over the summer, you know, it's probably a lot easier to recruit over the summer when you're not playing games and getting your brains beat in and, and stuff like that. And you go, oh, hey, check out the facilities and, and all this cool stuff. Because KU's got facilities on par with everybody else, uh, the locker rooms and all that stuff. I and mean, we've covered that on, on Rock Chalk Talk before. It's, it's on par with Texas and, and Oklahoma and even some NFL clubs. I mean, it, they, the, they have the facilities. They just built a new indoor practice area. I mean, they, they have the facilities. They just need to show some progress in the program and, and some competitiveness I think. And, you know, I, I mean, go out and lose 47 to 35 instead of 47 to seven, like go, you know, do something to show that you're getting better and building and, and get recruits fired up about being a part of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think like the biggest, like, if if I was the guy that was recruiting right now, um, you know, one, one, I kind of hope it's not the offensive line coach. And obviously is something that you would, um, well, kind of depending, but like, I I think that the, the bulk of Kansas's issues with, you know, in this game, obviously like the defense has some work to do, but if you're looking at the offense, if you're, if you're recruiting an offensive player, the thing you want to focus on is look, the fact that they have a super inexperienced offensive line that is, that is struggling because of the pandemic. You know not having the time that they need to really work on that chemistry, not having all the time that you would expect for them to iron out some of the issues that they have from from a and and, and I say young, not necessarily because there are a decent number of juniors and seniors on the offensive line, but they haven't had a whole lot of playing time consistently and so so like I think that's the the selling point that you have to try to hold on to your offensive players is like, look, you know I understand it doesn't look good right now, but this is this is what we're dealing with, this is what we're trying to work on and i and I promise you we are doing absolutely everything possible to to fix this offensive line, and they have to have a good offensive line class this year coming up, because this is something that they cannot continue to have, where they have or they're rotating guys and you know getting new guys in at at, at the junior or senior level, and then not able to to really get any kind of development from them. And so, you know, that's that's the pitch at this point is that look, this is all going to get better once we get the offensive line solidified, because we have guys that can you know do things elsewhere, and you guys are going to be a big way to kind of turn that around and. You know, the, but honestly, like the big hope right now is if they start losing offensive line recruits that, that they've that they targeted and that they picked up early or they start losing a lot of defensive recruits, then I'm going to be worried. Because I don't blame guys that are, you know, looking at, at, at offensive skill positions right now and are saying, well, look, I have absolutely no shot. I mean, you're looking at guys like Aganji like Parchman or Steven Sims, who, you know, Sims had a really good career here at Kansas, especially when you consider, you know, what he had to deal with. And he's actually playing really well up for, for Washington, uh, up in the NFL. But, you know, he he flew completely under the radar because of what this Kansas offense has been able to do. And, and so, like, yeah, it's a hard sell for skill players. But it's not a hard sell, I think, for any of those other positions, especially if you can convince them the fact that, look, we're addressing what we need to, building it the way that we need to. And, yeah, it may be a rough first year as we're getting everything broken in. But, you know, by, by the time you get to the point where scouts are really going to start paying attention to you, uh, if you you know if if that's your aspiration to get the NFL, then then we're going to have that solidified. We're going to have it ready, and you've got to make them believe that. And it's you know it's 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 a hard sell, obviously at this point. And and you know I, I understand Keon Coleman doing what he did, you know deciding to reopen his recruitment, trying to find somewhere where he can make a more immediate impact. But you know I I actually tweeted this shortly after I saw the news. You know you think about it, we are coming at this from a fan perspective right this is a game that we like to watch we like to have a good team we like to get invested in the guys that come to play for kansas but for us you know it is always like our big attachment to them especially if you're not you know in the media talking to these guys and getting interviews and things like that is watching them out on the field for us it's us watching players in the game for them this is the next three to four years of their life they have to find a situation yeah. where they can live Absolutely. you know uh, they have to find people that they want to be around they have to find coaches that can teach that like this is them setting themselves up for the next three or four years, and if, and if the situation doesn't feel right, even if it's a last-minute decommitment, you know they have to do what's right for them. If I went in for a job interview, you know, and and I, I accepted a job and I was all ready to go, and then a week before, all of a sudden, you know, I find out that you know one of the guys is like one of the guys I'm going to be working closely with is, make, is making fun of me on Twitter or is doing something, you know, that makes it so it would be a very uncomfortable environment. I absolutely would be rethinking taking that job and accepting that offer and so like that that's what the way we have to think about this for these guys like this is we are asking a lot of guys to move across the country to come live on campus for the next three to four years you know limiting the amount of time they can spend with their family limiting the number of things that they're allowed to do to come buy into a program basically for a job even though they don't get paid for it you know for a job um you know uh, we have to give them the opportunity to find the right situation that's right for them and and I, i agree with you i hate i hate tweeting at recruits. I hate trying to interact directly with the recruits, um, especially before they're officially signed. Like once they become players, then we can interact with them the way that we do with players, you know, wishing them luck, you know, asking questions, if they're open to that sort of thing, like that that normal interaction that a lot of fans do with the, with the players of the teams that they root for. But, you know, in, until they're actually officially a member of the school and, and a member of that team, then it's really, really hard for me to, to, to think that it's okay to be, trying to, to convince them to stick around or try to do this or bad mouthing them when they make a decision that's ultimately in their best interest, because that's what you would want to be able to do. If you are in the same situation was to make the, the decision that's in your best interest and have people understand why you're making that decision, or at least respecting the right that you have to make that decision. And so, you know, it's, it's a tough situation all around. Obviously, like I said, in my tweet, we're all disappointed as KU fans that he decided to leave, but I completely understand why you made that decision I hope he finds a situation that's best for him, you know, and, and if he doesn't want to be here, there's obviously a good reason for that. And he needs to find a situation that's going to work for him. So, all right, Mike, I I've kind of dominated the conversation there on that. Was there any other points about either the recruiting class or about that specific decision that you wanted to make sure you got shared with us tonight?
1: No, dude, I think you hit the nail on the
0: head there. That was that all right. That was so beautiful, dude. yeah. Any, any other final thoughts for us tonight? I mean, obviously, you know, they, they have the bye week to get ready for the next game that they have. Um, but, you know, it's – I mean, any thoughts about what they need to do in the bye week or what you have uh, planned for, you know, this weekend where you don't have to worry about watching a, a KU football game?
1: Uh, no, you know, I'll probably enjoy a little Red River rivalry and then uh, Oklahoma State plays Baylor in the nightcap at 6.30 or 7. So I'll probably take in those two games and uh, we will they'll get ready for to go to West Virginia on October 17th. Um, so uh, – so yeah, and I mean West Virginia was one of those teams that we thought they might be able to compete with earlier in the year. So uh, I'm kind of yep. interested to see how that goes, and um, hopefully they they show us. If they don't show us anything against West Virginia, then it, it's a lost season. I, I, if they can't if they can't get you know score in the 20s um, and, and maybe play a little defense against West Virginia, then oof, I don't think I want to watch the rest the other six games of the year.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, I'm definitely – the only game that I am absolutely 100% going to see the rest of this year is that game against Texas because I am still convinced that they can jump up and bite Texas and get Tom Herman fired. It would be poetic justice, um, you know, for them (laughs) to get another another Texas coach fired, especially since, you know, Texas looks fairly vulnerable this year. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that's one thing I'm going to hold out hope for all year until I can't hold out hope for it anymore because they've already lost to Texas. So. Um, but, you know, no, I, I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I don't think I have to ask who you're going to be rooting for, but are, are you as surprised that I am that the the Kansas State-TCU game is a de facto, like, winner is uh, kind of has the inside track on that Big 12 title game?
1: Oh, man, that makes my heart hurt, dude.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. I mean, Kansas State and TCU look like two of the best teams in the Big 12 this year, and, you know, whoever wins that one oh. is going to have an early lead um In that in that race against a <laughs> lot of the other teams, are kind of sitting out there. So, I, I don't think I have to ask you who you're going to be rooting for in that game. But are, are you surprised that that actually is the situation that we're in this early in the season?
1: Well, I mean, is Baylor still undefeated in conference? No,
0: Bay- Baylor lost to West Virginia in double overtime this last weekend. So. Oh, they
1: did lose West Virginia. Okay, so we have Oklahoma State unbeaten um okay texas as far as oklahoma state or oklahoma's lost twice Ah. um yeah i I mean you're not wrong i suppose um yeah i I, i'd say i'm surprised that's definitely not something i expected coming into the year let's put it that way yeah i know i'll be i'll be interested to see how that game turns out um
0: you know but you know we will we will go ahead and end the podcast on the only positive note that i can think of and this is something i shared while i was over on the uh the 10-12 podcast earlier this week is that, you know, I, I think everybody would have been happy if they had come into the year and found out that after two weeks in the big 12, Kansas is tied with the presumptive favorite of the big 12, the Oklahoma Sooners. They are now tied at <laughs> the big 12 standing. So we will enjoy that for right, as long as right. it lasts. We're coming for you, uh, Oklahoma. I, yeah, exactly. Mike, any other, <laughs> any, any other thoughts
1: for we get out here for the night? Uh, no, I just, uh, j- um, you know, that Texas game is the Saturday before Thanksgiving, I believe. So, uh, uh, Andy, if you want to go, I got an extra ticket for you. Just let me know, buddy. Sounds good to me.
0: I, I will, uh, make sure I clear my schedule so we can get going to that. So, all right, Mike, all right, thanks for good. joining me tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go out where, wherever you get your podcast whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there, just search for Rock Chalk Podcast um and and you can subscribe to us there give us a, a rating and a review five stars a nice comments and absolutely great but if for whatever reason you can't do that just let us know what it is we can doing better we bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in, in as entertaining a way as possible so if you ever have any comments questions suggestions people you want to try to interview anything like that you can contact me via email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com right now twitter is um i don't know for some reason fighting with the podcast account so you can actually go ahead and message me directly on my personal twitter at andymitts12 um, if you wanted to, to contact us on Twitter as well. But, uh, um, you know, now that we're over on Anchor, you can leave us voicemail. Uh, you can actually leave a, a message that we can bring onto the podcast itself so we can either talk about it or just react to it or whatever. Um, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message and you can leave us a voicemail there. Um, but that'll do it for us tonight. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast